It's the When Fishing Podcast. Applying techniques. Then I put the sea rigs on the A rig. Fresh ideas. They can't all be good ones. Talking stories. <laughs> reports. Observation. Probably too close. All to make you and I better fishermen. Hola, amigos. Como estas? Como están? Unless there's just one of you. Then it's como estas? I got reports. I got the rockfish opener. I got some more nap jagging. We got the Bart Hall show coming up. We got something tweak over. We got an email. And we got game plans. So let's get into it. Report. Got one report this week. I wish I had more to say. But it's just one little one. One by sea, none by land. Another uh, windy and wet week in Southern California. Last I checked, our water levels are... All of our reservoirs are uh, are all up to snuff. So, good on you, Mother Nature. We did it. We filled them up. So, I actually really want to get around just to go see what the hell a lake in Southern California looks like when it's full. I don't think I've I've seen that since I was like a wee lad, if I've ever seen it. So, that'd be really interesting to see. Uh, yeah, send me pictures. Send me postcards, everybody. Wherever you are. Show me your full lakes. But, uh, yeah, there's that. So, um, what was I talking about? Report. <clears throat> One by sea. I went out last Saturday. It looked like a pretty piss poor short swell kind of condition. And so I didn't really want to fish, uh, you know, inshore or, you know, outside of the harbor. So I decided to go take a look where I haven't really spent much time around, uh, LA Harbor go see if there are any uh, halibut or threshers around because the water was starting to warm up and then it kind of dropped off and then warmed up again and dropped off but it's been like flirting with 60 degrees which is uh which in my limited knowledge i would think that at least a few little threshers have been born and are uh, are haunting the inshore by now so i went to go look at that go find the mackerel first and then go find the game fish that would eat the mackerel. And I definitely found I found some mackerel several weeks ago in the area, so I figured it wouldn't be too hard to find them. But I was wrong. Uh, I made my way outside of my harbor, and then I went over and trolled around the jetty with a sabiki and a crankbait on the end, and uh, saw a bunch of marks that were looked like very macky. And uh, it was not max; it was jack smelt and they were full of eggs and they were pooping their eggs all over my sabiki and that was fun to deal with so it was um a very i was very quick to leave those marks after that uh got out of there went went looking around some more and then i i got hit by the short swell and i was it was that kind of swell that's like just like a, a obnoxious yacht wake um just like really 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 short period and um yeah it was not wasn't something I, I wanted to go like dead into for 
you know, any amount of time to go offshore. So I did not do that. Uh, went into LA Harbor, saw lots of marks, very promising, um, but uh, nothing bit anything. So there's your data point for that. I was uh, trolling on the bottom with a crankbait for like halibut and or bass. And I saw a decent amount of marks. At least a few had to be bass. Maybe it's just like loaded with trash there. I don't know. Bodies. I don't know. But uh, the, I, I haven't really spent any time in L.A. Harbor. I've only like um, on my way back from fishing other areas. Um, I would just hop in there and just roll over a, a wreck or a reef for some something I was curious about and then didn't get anything and then I'd come back and uh, <clears throat> this time I checked out a lot of spots a lot of different spots and uh, uh, there was some life there was some there were some bait balls down low but nothing uh, puddling on the surface like I have seen in previous weeks and some some turns uh one-off diving here and there on what I assume was micro bait and uh, uh, assuming peak capabilities of turns because I never saw them with anything so and I don't think that those are not the Guggen birds the Guggen birds or any or other ones but uh yeah so didn't see any signs of threshers don't really uh, nobody knows what to look for with to catch a halibut but uh you know i looked and looked uh didn't didn't catch any mackerel didn't catch any halibut or threshers just caught like the four jacks smelled at the beginning and that was that so long-winded report for a very um pretty boring day on the water nice weather but uh that was that and uh then the rest of the week i had one window and it didn't work out but uh I'll be going. Uh, I'll be going next week for sure. Uh, almost went today this morning, but the the window was really, really, really tight. It was like, like it was like as soon as a short swell stopped, like the wind would start. So I was, I just didn't really want to waste my time with that. I've got a very full plate, so can't be, can't be uh, just lollygagging around. So, yeah, uh, are you excited? Are you excited? It's bottom fish opener tomorrow out here in California, at least SoCal. I don't know what the hell's going on up, up, up north, but, uh, ground fish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get those, get those reds. Yeah. Where uh, I'm gonna be going tomorrow, April first. April first, motherfuckers. It's time to go load up on rockfish and get stoked on that for a week. So that'll be fun. Um, the changes this year. I wrote down some stuff just to give people refreshers in case they forgot or whatever. And uh, uh, yeah, so. Uh, some new regulation, the new, the main new regulation on rockfish is that there is no depth limit this year. Um, so a lot of spots will open that, uh, that you, you and your dad and maybe even your granddad haven't been to before. So now we all get to fish those spots, see what's up. 
it may or may not be uh, exciting to do that. Uh, last, what, what, two years ago or something, they opened it up from 75 fathoms to 100 fathoms, and so we all got stoked on that. We're like, oh, the big fish are hiding between 75 and 100 because they don't know. We don't, we, they know that we can't get over there. And, uh, and nothing really happened with that, like, that five to 600 foot range. Not, not to my knowledge. I didn't get anything cool. But, uh, yeah. So, now there's no depth limit. But that, what that really means is that opens up a few, uh, like, sea mounts that were protected because they couldn't be, uh, they were, like, they are in, you know, like, 100 feet to, like, 400, 500 feet of water. But because of the way that they draw the contours, you have to be, like, like, what there's like what's the opposite of seaward like landward <laughs> uh high vocabulary but uh yeah inside of you had to be inside of the like hundred fathom um contour and so uh like in in relation to land masses so i the channel islands and and the the mainland and uh now uh, now it's all open, so we don't have to worry about these contours and stuff, so, uh, uh, so that's nice, until September 15th, I'll get to that, but, uh, yeah, so no depth limit, that's great, uh, so we get to try some new spots, and we get to fish for, well, it opens up more spots for fishing for thorny heads and sablefish and things like that, because, uh, uh, there was a little, little hack that you could do while, uh, while there was like the 100 fathom line that you had to stay inside of. They, they picked like a hundred points or something like that along the coast. And, uh, as long as you were inside of those points, um, you could, you could fish really whatever depth. So like pretty much all of the canyons in SoCal, at least like the mouths of them or the first like mile or two of them were, uh, uh, were definitely deeper than 600, 100 fathoms, 600 feet down to, so you could actually fish down to, in some spots, like 1500 feet of water for, uh, bottom fish. And it was technically legal cause it was inside of the, uh, their, uh, pre-selected, um, coordinates for their contour line. So it was kind of a weird way to go about it, but, uh, but it was possible. So, yeah, that's fun. Um, I believe the regulations for the species are the same as pre as the last year, but uh, just as uh, refresher, vermilions you can keep four, coppers you can keep one, quillbacks one, no bronze spotted, no yellow eye, no cow cod, I, tuling cod at twenty two inches, I. Kelp or rock greenlings, 12 inches. I cabbies, cabazon, 15 inches. I no limit on petrile sole or starry flounders. You can keep your 10 pinbacks. You can keep your 10 ratfish. And then a partial closure after seven September 15th through December 31st. You can fish deeper than their um their their set of uh, coordinates for the 300-foot contour, the 50-fathom. So uh, you'll have you're you're gonna have to look those up because I'm not gonna go through all the species because they they did a really weird job of selecting 
which species you could keep or release. It's like uh, uh, deeper than 300 feet. You can keep stuff like I know I I definitely saw all the stuff that I would normally see like uh, like vermilions and uh, Boccaccios and uh, green spots and some other stuff. But then there's like some shallow water ones that like a uh, like the grass rockfish and the brown rockfish and things like that are going to be closed. So uh, go Google that shit. Make sure you're on it. Yeah. And then um, if you're feeling frisky, um, vermilions, you can keep four. But if you're de- uh, fishing deeper than uh, 100 meters, 328 feet or so, um, the what you think is a vermilion might actually be a sunset rockfish. Uh, about, oh, thereabouts 10 years ago, uh, they discovered that there was a, a, a different species of rockfish that looked exactly like the vermilion rockfish. It's called the sunset rockfish. Basically, the only way to, uh, to discriminate one from the other is the depth that they're in. Um, you might be able to, I, I wouldn't call it definitive, but, uh, uh, some some might say that the sunsets are a little bit brighter red or something but um you you basically would really have to the only way to really determine it would actually be through like genetic testing so if you're feeling like an asshole you could uh uh fish in like 400 feet of water get like 10 reds and uh they might be sunsets and then you could bring them home and then the dfw will be like what the fuck are you doing with those four vermilions and you'll be like oh those are sunsets don't worry about it Okay, and then he'll write you a ticket. And you'll show up in court, and I, uh, and by then you'll have done the genetic testing to conclude one way or the other. So, uh, have fun with that. That's my little daydream that I've been playing with for a long time, and I'm not gonna do it. But yeah. So, and uh, any other notes as we get into uh, the rockfish season? Get hyped on the rockfish. Uh, we got, a uh, my favorite fish, the largemouth paisano, the bocaccio. Um, me and my dad have always been kind of, uh, a ho-hum about him because, uh, you really, as, as you're reeling up, you're really hoping like, oh man, this is, this is a bigger one. I hope it's a big ass red. And then you bring it up and it's like, nope, it's just a bocaccio with its mouth open. And now you got, you're going to fillet it and you're going to find all these worms and then you're going to chew on it. It's going to be chewy and you're going to hate it. So, and, but it's already going to be dead. So, uh, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. Once you fillet that largemouth paisano, you, uh, uh, you, uh, you batter it. You batter it, you treat it like calamari. Any way that you want to eat calamari, you eat it like calamari because it's just a little bit chewier. It's a decent amount, noticeably chewier than uh, than other rockfish fillets I've found. But like as soon as you start to treat it like calamari, then it's like actually very enjoyable. That's my little uh uh mind fuck uh tip of the day to uh to feel a little bit happier about catching your uh, largemouth bisonos. And then, uh, yeah. And then other than that, uh, I went over the sunsets on bisonos, uh, thorny heads. Um, I ain't never seen a thorny head in person. 
I'd like to. So that's going to be a goal this year to try and find one of them. But they are going to be over like sandy bottoms and like non-descript, nondescript bottoms. So it's not going to be very easy to uh, locate them. You might be drifting a long ass time trying to catch yourself a damn thorny head. So and then they've got these. Their their head is like almost like half the size of their body, which is like it's a. It's a very silly looking, it's not a rockfish, but it looks like, you know, looks most of the way like one. So, uh, I hear that their, they, uh, their fillets are a lot like, uh, sculpin, uh, scorpion fish. So that's something. And they don't have swim bladders. So if you catch it and you think it's cute, you can throw it back and, uh, it might survive. So there's that. And that's all that. That's all you need to know from me on the rockfish opener. So moving on to knots. Hey, thinks he's Captain Knots. Thinks he's Captain Tying Knots. When everyone needs some knots tied, they go to him. Bullshit. Bullshit. I didn't really do much more um more knot research. I did play around just a wee bit with uh the idea that last week i said that uh because a loop knot and a line to line connector they both end up with four ends of the knot however well coming out of the knot they don't act as they're not ends i suppose there's really only two ends out of the loop because the loop is connected but um there are there are just a couple of knots that uh, are basically the same as another knot. Uh, that it <laughs> there are a few loop knots that are basically built the same as a line to line connector knot. Um, I believe I found the uh, seawire knot and the blood bite knot to be uh, essentially the same knots, except that um, one is tied with four ends and one's one is tied with two ends. So. Um, or one is tied in the middle of the line and one is tied with, uh, two, tying two lines together. How many different ways can I say it? So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that was an interesting concept and I played with it just a little bit. It does get difficult, uh, after the Seaguar and the blood bite knot. I, there's not that many others that do that. I tried doing a couple others and, uh, uh, it didn't. Oh, what did I do? I did a weird one the other... Oh, yeah, I was trying to do uh, an Albright. I was trying to see, like, if I tied an Albright or fo- loosely followed, like, the shape of an Albright as you tie it, except just in the middle of the line. Bless. And uh, it turned into something. It made a loop, but it wasn't making the loop where you thought it would make the loop, which was really fucking weird. But, um... Uh... I think it, no, did it hold? I don't know. Try it at home, kids. But, uh, it was, it was, uh, it's a little trip, and, uh, I continue to, uh, implore all of you to try to do dumb shits with knots. Dumb shit with knots to see what happens. So, yeah, uh, and then I kind of, settled on the idea that uh oh i really learned to like i've been i've been tying a dropper loop standard dropper loop for i don't know 
what, what what's it been 15 years or something like that and uh uh i like it with heavier line uh below 20 pound uh it'll it pretty much always slips or like something bad happens at at low uh at low tension so i've i've learned to become very uh wary of it so i tried out the blood bite knot and holy hell like that i mean i guess i i started to i tied them side by side or like one after the other to see if uh the blood bite the blood bite is so quick to tie once you get used to it um it's like i don't know it might be like a five second knot it's ridiculous and the dropper loop is i mean if you're quick with that it can also be like a 10 second knot but like the blood bite is like like 10% to 100% faster it is uh it is wicked so uh I'm excited about that but moving forward uh after all these experiments I've pretty much decided that from here on out uh anytime thereafter uh there will be uh no dropper loops in my lines if they're under like 25 pound test but I'm probably gonna move move to like probably like maybe 40 pound tests for a lot of things um for for loop rigs but i'm gonna be do, uh, tying the blood bite from now on and then and then uh 20 pound and below i'm just gonna do like a a drop shot style whether that be a hook at the drop shot or like a swivel and then a, a tag line so uh yeah so that's that's my little spiel on on all that uh, i'm I can pretty much all but close the book on that whole little project, so you can listen back to previous episodes over my tweaking over knots uh, to uh, understand uh, my full the full scope of the tweaking. So, moving on. <laughs> Speaking time. So I've been drawing up some floor plans for some boats the past couple weeks. Um, I have a Saturn SK 470 XL. It's a 15 foot long, about four foot wide, 18 inches between the pontoons. That is an inflatable. Uh, I have a four horsepower Yamaha on the back of it. And uh, I had a six horsepower Mercury for a while and then I sold that off. And, uh, it is a wonderful boat. It is an entry. It is a wonderful entry level boat because like I bought the, the hull new shipped to me for like 900 bucks. And then the motor was like 700 bucks ish. Each of those, uh, two motors. And, uh, uh, it is, I mean, it is a really interesting boat and it exceeded my expectations. Um, I bought it because I I kept wanting to like kayak fishing for a long time and every time I got on a kayak I was like yeah this is why I don't like this like the if you know you store stuff behind your seat and I don't want to stick stick my feet in the water so like I like pull my shoulder like throw out my back just trying to like make a 180 degree turn trying to grab my tackle or my lunch bag or whatever the hell and so now, now I have a bad shoulder and I'm like 
two miles out just paddling and I'm tired and now the wind's going to come up and I'm, I'm seasick because you're so goddamn low and like, and you feel like wibbly wobbly, like, you know, you can't really stand on it. Your, your speed is like maxed out at like, I don't know if you, if you took a bunch of HGH, you could probably get going like seven miles an hour. So, um, it's not, ideal to me and then you can only really I mean I guess depending on how you outfit it you could bring more than two rods but it becomes messy it, it gets messy real quick you have to be super duper minimalistic and as much as I want to be minimalistic um it just didn't seem worth it to me so uh uh so I decided to get the inflatable with the idea that I would just be able to do whatever I was going to do on a kayak except with a boat and uh, uh, anything after that would be a huge bonus. And then as soon as I got out of the harbor the first time I used it, I was like, oh, my God, like I'm going like 10 knots and like I'm just going to drive. And <laughs> and then I like did like 40 miles round trip on my first for no, I did like thir- I think I did 30 miles round trip on my first trip. And I was like, oh, my God, this is sick. And uh, it was just coastal thing. And then uh, and then I. Yeah, I realized that it can, like, it's it's seaworthy as hell, um, and uh, it's not going to flip like, like people might think. They they see it at the dock or whatever, they go, oh, are you going to go to the jetty? And I go, no, I'm going to go much past the jetty. They go, Whoa. and uh, uh, yeah, so... Um, it's been, it's been cool. I've, uh, I've targeted, uh, offshore creatures like, uh, bluefin and, uh, uh, mahi and all the other things. And, uh, I've learned a lot of, a lot more about boating than I thought I would from this boat. And I've, and yeah, it just kicks a kayak's ass. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, I just want to go over, uh, like just a quick list of, how I've created this, uh, the layout for this boat because, uh, now I'm getting ready to, well, I'm not really getting ready. I'm just daydreaming. (laughs) I can't afford to get another boat, but I've started daydreaming about other boats. But, uh, just to give you an idea of, uh, of where I'm at, like I've evolved from like kayak fishing into this boat. And so these are like, these are the adaptations, the following are adaptations that I've made to, uh, to grow as a boater and use, uh, use what I got and do the best that I can. And then, uh, realizing the limits of it and then looking at, looking forward to the boats that I would like to get in the future to, uh, maintain the balances that I like and, uh, evolve further. So, uh, yeah. So the hull, uh, I already said it's like a 15 by four. Um, and, uh, also it's very, very, a lot more durable than I thought it's PVC. Uh, the next step up would be Hypalon and Hypalon would make me more comfortable for sure. But, uh, the worst I've had so far have just been like little tiny pinholes. It might've been from like rockfish, um, spines or whatever, but it's, uh, nothing serious. And then here and there, there's a little leak out of the seams and those are easy to, uh, to clean up. You just use like a dab of super glue and, um, here and there a patch, a PVC patch. But, uh, 
yeah, so that's the hole, and then I've got a six-gallon tank, and I get about, um, with the four and the six horsepower engines have performed about the same. I'll get, uh, it's a really, really, uh, uh, it's a ridiculous range. Um, I get anywhere from, like, 10 upwards of, like, 30 miles per gallon. Like, I've there have been days when I've, I've gone out like 60 miles in our return and I'm like, I haven't even burned like half the tank of my six gallon. And then, uh, other days, you know, I, I go out on a couple coastal trips, uh, that are just like 10 miles round trip. And I feel like I've, I've been burning more closer to 10 miles per gallon. So, uh, but the six gallon tank is all, all I can really take as far as my physical endurance. Um, and then, uh, moving forward from, from the stern, uh, from, the engine to the fuel tank and then I built so at first there was like these aluminum seats that you'd like stick into uh into uh these nylon um folds and uh so that then you'd have your aluminum bench seat that you could just pop in and out but then I got uh I got tired of uh sitting on the aluminum bench seat so then I got a swivel seat and then I couldn't really sit on I couldn't I tried installing the bench seat or I tried installing the swivel seat to the bench seat and then like of course you can't lean back on that it'll just pop out so then I tried installing like I tried to get difficult with it and then I eventually built like this big DIY uh PVC bench that like would support me whichever way that I wanted to lean and then there was also room for accessories and so uh, I added some like rod holders and then like under my legs, there's room for my electronics. So I have like my fish finder in there and a compass and my phone mount uh, all connected to the various spots of the PVC. And then uh, on the forward end of this whole bench seat, there's a couple of rod holders that are positioned in a way. And like, and this is all built out of like, like three-way connectors, four-way connectors, a couple five-way connectors. So it's just this whole like, there's like two levels to it and yeah it's it, it's about eight inches high and then I built the and I added the swivel seat on top of it so it's uh it's pretty badass um if I do say so myself but uh yeah so then it's got the rod holders that I think I they haven't been like put really to the test yet but I'm pretty confident that they'll handle um like a big game bite if I'm trolling at you know with like uh, like eight pounds of drag or something like that. So, um, time will tell. I'm going to have them, um, I'm going to have the reels attached to the boat, but just in case, cause it is wacky. Then moving forward to that, I have like four feet of open space on, uh, on the boat so that I can put like a tackle bag, kill bag, lunch bag, and those bounce around a lot. So I put those like forward of the milk crate, which sits about four or five feet in front of me. And that milk crate has 12 PVC rod holders on the outside of it. So those rod holders help it help the milk crate to be snug between the pontoons. And then I can fit, I suppose you could fit 12 rods, but I would never actually bring 12 rods. I guess I went to Clear Lake with Jared and we brought, I think we had like five rods each or something like that. It was a little bit ridiculous, but it was doable. But uh, these days I bring like three rods maybe four rods. Um, and then I have two gaffs and then I have, uh, my two oars and, uh, and a metal bat. 
and uh, that covers me. And then I've realized that like trying to use the the hook keepers on the rods, uh, like while underway, doesn't really work out. Like the as you're bouncing, the line starts to loosen, and then all of a sudden you've got like a surface iron that's just like like slapping around the boat and like just like tangling with everything and it's just ridiculous so i've started to uh uh just stick the whatever lures i have like just stick them into uh, a pvc rod holder adjacent to the holder that the actual rod is in so uh that's uh that's been pretty dope i've had a lot of a lot less problems uh since uh beginning to do that and then inside the pvc crate i have like my safety equipment and some other miscellaneous stuff and then forward of the PVC crate, I have like some, uh, that's where I would put my bags when I really don't, I know I don't need them in like my anchor bag, which I, I never use. Um, I just pretty much drift fish always. And it's just an emergency thing. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the way that I've set up the boat. And, uh, so the things I like about it, it's uh fuel efficient. It's, uh, went over a bunch of this. This is just my notes that I went slightly out of order with, um, uh, just, you know, super durable. And, uh, so I fold it, I, I fold it up when I'm done with it and I take everything out and then I assemble it in the morning, um, before I go out. And it's about a 30 minute, if I'm like really dialed up to like, an hour, um, assembly time. And then, uh, about the same coming back. Um, so I've been doing it for about two years or so now. And it's, uh, you know, I've put in a lot of days and it's been great, but like, I am starting to get to a point where I'm like, God damn it. I wish I had just a trailer that I could just drop this boat in. And then like, when I pull it out, I could have just like hit it with a hose instead of like having to like pull the air floor out of this thing and like, uh, and flip it over <laughs> and like use a little garden, like chemical sprayer that's just filled with soapy water to like wash it down and shit. And then like folding it up as a bitch. And then I got to like, it's a hundred, it's a hundred pound like hull. And I've, once I fold it up, I pick it up by myself and throw it on the roof of my sedan. It's very ridiculous. And, uh, uh, and there have definitely been some mornings lately where I'm like, like I wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm like, what was I going to do? I was going to fucking like slap some whitefish around. Fuck that. I'm sleeping in. Like, I don't want to deal with all that shit. So uh, it's happened and I don't I don't really want that to happen. I want to like wake up and just pop out and go, yeah, let's go kill some whitefish. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the assembly gets old. I would like more space in my boat. I mean, um, it's 18 inches between the pontoons and it's probably like. 13 feet of like usable floor so um you do the math and that's somewhere around like 20 square feet i guess and uh i could definitely use a little bit more and uh, it would also be nice to stand um i can stretch pretty well and i in, in a harbor i can stand but like um i wouldn't stand like outside of a harbor it's just uh kind of like a skateboard slipping out from under you so yeah um I want to get off the tiller. I'm pretty fucking tired of tillers. My shoulders, uh, my shoulder blades get tired. Um, and uh, getting faster than 10 knots would be nice. And then having a hard hull that's like, you know, like fiberglass or aluminum or whatever would, would be nice. Like I can actually target like uh, 
toothier things or swords or whatever and, and not trip out when I see them. Sometimes I see a shark fin and uh, when I'm out there and I'm, I'm not like, it's not that I'm scared of sharks. It's just like, hey, 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 like keep that away from me. All right, buddy. Okay. See you later. And like if I if I were in a fiberglass hole, I probably would have seen that and been like, let's throw a Mac on that. Let's see what happens. So, you know, uh, that's, that's my trade off. But, uh, so something, so what do I want to move up to? What's, what's a little boat man, uh, like me, uh, looking to move upgrade to? Well, I'm looking at, uh, at catamarans, bro. I'm looking at cats. Uh, I was looking at a lot of stuff for a while and I was, uh, before I bought the inflatable, I was thinking about doing, uh, uh, an aluminum and then like, I've seen a lot of custom fits, uh, custom upgrades for aluminums, whether it be like John boats or deep V's. And, um, I think it's really interesting what they can do with it. But, uh, I do find that like the deep V's are pretty damn wobbly and, uh, uh, and I suppose they're, they are seaworthy, but I, it's just not really like after, after, uh, working with this inflatable for so long, it's like, damn, like, like I don't have to deal with rocking. I just don't like when I get onto like another person's skiff, I go like, Whoa, rocking. Like, what is this? <laughs> so <laughs> what is this? The concert? But, uh, uh, yeah. So I've, uh, I really want to move to a, a catamaran, uh, but there's really not that many uh, options for catamarans in in like the sub twenty foot realm. Like you basically just have Livingstons and Livingstons. Um, I've recently discovered a couple others. Uh, I guess as of last year, I discovered Mexicat, uh, which is out of Ensenada, Mexico. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. Uh, I don't know if he wants the <laughs> shout out. You can Google it if you want. Just look up Mexicat. I'm not gonna like throw his name around or whatever too much, but yeah, it's. But he he makes some cool builds. I think he's staying plenty busy, so I don't, I don't know. But uh, I just I just reached out to him once just to ask for like an estimate on the cost of it, and uh, uh, I'll keep that number to myself since he uh, he doesn't like post it everywhere. But um, but they're really cool boats, and it it would probably be uh my next boat if if I uh, God willing or whatever. So, uh, uh, he, he makes the, he makes cats from like, he's made them as small as like eight foot. And I think he's made them up to like 24, 26 feet. Um, I really like, uh, he has, he made this 14 foot Kevlar composite and then he sold it to, uh, I think he, I think it was a, a mate from, uh, I want to say bite sport fishing, but, uh, but like, a a mate from a successful, uh, six pack, uh, charter business in SoCal. And, uh, uh, that guy's caught, uh, a couple swordfish from it and, uh, has done some other badass stuff with it. He, he fitted it with like a 50 horsepower Tohatsu and gets like, like 10 miles per gallon or so. And, um, yeah, it just looks like a sick rig uh, for such a tiny boat, and uh, I, I've like weighed out so many different options. Not that I have any money right now. Like I'm like, 
I'll be happy to pay rent this month, but, uh, uh, but it's, uh, very, very cool upgrade, a lighter, like the composite build compared to, uh, or the Kevlar build, uh, compared to the Livingston. Yeah. Livingston's are, uh, uh, are pretty cool. And I've seen some cool builds of them and from like the, particularly the, the 14, 15, 16 foot models. Um, and, uh, so I've, I've drawn out some floor plans and, uh, I'm thinking that I'd want to have like a dual outboard setup with, uh, with like remote steering with like 20 to 30 horsepower each. So it, it still stays relatively light compared to like, you know, a 50, 60, 90 horsepower and, uh, and you'd get really good fuel economy. I think you could, according to this, uh, this website that I've been looking at, um, if you just like Google outboard fuel economy, that might be the name of the website, but like it has some stats, some generalized stats on a bunch of different, uh, like, uh, outboards. And I would guess that I'd be able to get like 10 miles per gallon at cruise with two twenty to 30, um, horsepower mercuries and, uh, stick those on. Then I could go like offshore willy nilly. And like, if one dies, I could still get on plane probably. And then, uh, uh, build a nice dash like up front and have like a clean cock cockpit and have like, uh, uh, build up the floor so that the, um, in the, so what's, what's it called? The tunnel of the, uh, uh, of the catamaran, like build up the, the two holes, the insides of the holes to be level with the tunnel because it, it does like raise up in that, especially in that small of a boat. And then you can just like store stuff inside of the holes. And then, um, yeah, that would be cool. Be cool. Just stick a bunch of C deck on there and, and a couple reinforced rod holders. And, and you have yourself a, a fucking battle wagon. So yeah, I've, I've just been drawing nonstop. Um, catamaran floor plans so i thought i'd share and then today i was uh delivering food for a, a well-known delivery food company and uh delivered to this one house and uh they had this boat that i'd never seen before it was uh it was a black dog cat um so it's it's this he ended up coming out and uh and I asked him about it and he gave me a good, a good explanation on it. And so black dog boats are from New Zealand. And so this boat was a 16 foot, um, technically a, he said, I think he said technically it's a pontoon boat, but it's basically a catamaran. And, uh, although the tunnel is kind of low, uh, 16 foot powered with like a hundred horsepower. It's a cutty cabin, um, really nice welding all around, um, and uh, he had it. He had it shipped in, uh, custom built in New Zealand, and shipped in. And uh, uh, basically, he said that if you look on their website, they uh, the prices that they're offering are say like the boat that he picked up was maybe like ninety thousand. But then once you subtract the New Zealand tax that you won't have to pot, have to pay as an American, you can subtract like fifteen percent, and then. Um, and then our dollar go, goes farther over there. So then it's, uh, so then it's less than, than even that. 
So he he walked away with it for like sixty thousand, picked it up um, during COVID, and uh, and he's very impressed with it. So uh, I haven't done much uh, looking on it, but it is so hard to find uh, sub twenty foot catamarans that it that it was super interesting to see one that I hadn't seen before, and it was aluminum. Did I say that? It's aluminum. It's like like I haven't I I was looking for aluminum catamarans for a while and I couldn't find any. I thought that would be a cool idea, and uh, couldn't find them. And then there it is, black dog cat, black dog cat. So go look that one up. That's a cool boat. Um, so yeah, that's about it for my uh, tweaking. It's mail time over here at the Land Fishing Podcast. You can email me at windfishingpodcast at gmail.com for discussions and suggestions on what to talk about and questions and comments and whatever. So let's see what happens. Send them in. Today I got one. It's my first email for the show. Valentina 2224XO writes... Hello, sweetie. I am in your area, and I want to play with you. Do you want to play with me? Look at my profile at http slash slash Hello, Valentina. You sound like a very nice person to be so welcoming as to want to play with me. I don't have much time to play these days, but if if you want to talk about knots or... uh, if you have some intel for me or whatever along those lines, tell me how to get better fuel economy on my on my outboard, then uh then yeah, I'll I'll come I'll come play and uh and uh we can have iced coffee and talk about knots and fuel economy. Thank you. It's game plan. So, tomorrow is the Rockfish opener. So, I'm going to Rockfish tomorrow. And then I'm going to go to work right after. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a pretty pretty nice day tomorrow for, for a private boater. Um, I think uh, last I checked, it was uh, still looking a little bit... Uh, sporty on sunday but maybe if uh maybe on the on the bigger boats on the sport boats it'll be a uh smoother sailing uh on sunday but yeah it's uh looking like a good day one so excited to get out there and uh kill a bunch of uh rockfish and uh bring home enough fish and chips for the next week or two and yeah so i've got i've got a spot I've got a couple spots that I'm already familiar with that I'm going to try first, and I imagine those are probably going to be loaded up with other people on a Saturday. So uh, we'll see if uh, there's room for me. They're pretty big areas. But uh, if not, then uh, I've I've got some other spots I'm willing to try. So there's all all that. Um, Water temp still isn't hasn't really gotten been able to creep up very much uh due to the wind and the rain so 
uh, no further advancements on uh, on on the tunas and the threshers and the pelagic things, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully by the end of the week, there's going to be a lot more uh, wind and rain uh, coming up this week, so it's not going to be looking very good for uh, boating from like Sunday through Wednesday or so. It's going to be like fucking windy as shit on Monday and then uh and I think the swell's going to be up with it as well. And then it'll just steadily come back down and a little bit of rain on Tuesday or Wednesday and yeah. So I think Sunday I'm going to fish um with my pals before they head off to the Bart Hall show and then I got to go to work. But um uh we'll we'll throw the LCs around and see what happens over there. Um just nice to get out and and see the pals and then uh yeah and then i think uh thursday and friday right now it's a little bit far out but right now they look nice so i think uh that would be the time that i uh hop on top of some of the uh other bottom fish spots that i think people will probably crowd up uh on saturday and sunday so i don't really want to even fuck with it and uh and the weather will be a lot better on thursday and friday hopefully so, uh, I'll be able to head out a little farther in my little itty bitty boat and, uh, uh, feel comfortable, uh, doing so and, and hopefully come back with some stories. So yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. Um, and then what the fuck was that? Was that a train? I don't know, <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, and then while I'm out there, I might uh, take a look around for the Pelagics since I'll be kind of-ish in the zone, potentially. Maybe not, probably not, but uh, see if the see what's around. So, yeah, that's about that. Um, have a nice week, uh, and good luck out there, everybody. And enjoy Bart Hall, folks. Uh, for the SoCal folks, uh, Bart Hall, Long Beach is, uh, uh, from yesterday, Thursday through Sunday. And, uh, there's lots of information and lots of, uh, lots of companies and booths to check out. I was, uh, curious about asking, uh, uh, asking like more of like the associations, like the, uh, fishing game, the International Fishing Game Association and, uh, NOAA. I wanted to ask them some questions, but uh, it's all good. But there should be some, uh, there should be some good deals. So get out there if you're in SoCal and uh, have fun and good luck this week. Survive. <laughs>